0: We're back, your favorite podcast show of the week. This is Location Weekly, episode number 511, and we're recording live on Tuesday, April the 6th. Yes, happy April everybody. Happy spring. Happy baseball season. My Blue Jays are 3 and 1. Uh, you know, it's good. It's a good start. How are you, Brianna?
1: I'm pretty good. It is a good start. Lots of allergies. Yes. <laughs> but it's a good start to the month so far. Um and like baseball just makes you feel like there's new life coming to some extent. So um feeling, feeling good. I am obviously not at home uh, this week. We are, however you house hunt in a pandemic, that's what we're doing. So we are out and about, you know, masked up and trying to be as safe as possible and make things happen. But uh, yeah, there's, there's definitely not a guide on on how how to do all this stuff in the middle of a pandemic so (laughs) much less without a pandemic right so we're just uh just kind of trying to roll with it and make the best choices we can but yep we're we are good so
0: awesome awesome all right well we'll jump right into it we have four stories we want to cover this week first one's a a big one and i'll let abriana kind of start us off with that
1: Yeah. So we are going to talk a little bit about Google and their FLOC or the Federated Learning of Cohorts. If you're not really familiar with what this is, this is cohorts that are um, using on device machine learning to kind of create these segments uh, that are targeting, you know, targeting based on patterns, browsing patterns, uh, and really this is how Google's planning on enabling interest-based advertising um, across the web after the end of cookies. So this is very interesting, obviously a hot topic. Everybody's trying to figure out what they're doing once cookies go away and, and how is this going to affect them and, you know, what are their options going to be moving forward? So Google just began testing this about a week ago. Um, you know, they're, they're testing this across the U.S., Australia, Brazil, Brazil uh, Canada, Indonesia, Japan, New Mexico. New Mexico is a state not maybe Mexico but they wrote New Mexico in the article which is very funny. Um New Zealand and the Philippines are not testing and in, um, in Europe yet obviously across the EU there are you know other concerns there so um you know the the concerns from Europe obviously are that uh well the concern from it's called the CMA which is the Competition and Markets Authority so they're obviously concerned Um, you know, from an antitrust uh, perspective, that this privacy sandbox, you know, kind of they're assessing here, if the proposals would cause this ad spend to become even more, you know, concentrated and and Google having this further monopoly than they have even now, in their ecosystem at the expense of their competitors. Um, You know, so I think that's a valid concern, obviously. And there's uh, also concerns from the EFF, which is the Electronic Frontier Foundation. So they were saying, this is a terrible idea. This is basically exacerbating many of the worst non-privacy problems with behavioral ads, including discrimination and predatory targeting, which is interesting. So to me, you know, the whole idea of uh, creating cohorts or segments based upon a group of users' behaviors that are similar is very similar to exactly what we do right now, with, you know, maids or, you know, whether you call that IDFA, um, you know, or your Google ad ID, Android ad IDs, all of those things that are making up those unique identifiers are typically being used in, in terms of a cohort or a segment. No, no advertiser is interested in targeting one person Um, They are interested in targeting lots of people with the same characteristics that are likely to buy their, you know, their product or service. So this is very similar to me and exactly how the the same way we've been doing these things before. Um, You know, right now, they're really focused on testing. However, the origin trials are basically a way for these developers to test these experimental web features, you know, give feedback on the usability, effectiveness, functionality, you know, it's really kind of a a QA where you've got external resources that are involved here. Um, Google's continuing to defend their approach. They're saying that, you know, the cohorts are defined again by similarities and not based on who someone is as an individual. Um, Again, sounds exactly like what we have sort of right now. But Chrome is introducing a control within the browser. Actually, I think they should have launched it uh, back at the beginning of this month, so just a few days ago. So users can opt out of being included in FLOC and other uh, privacy sandbox proposals as well. So, uh, you know, very hot topic, very much, uh, I think, indicative of the time that we're living in and the shift in technology and privacy and all of those things that. You know everybody's trying to get to a line in the right way. Um, and it's it's complicated. There's not really a great easy answer, but I know that it's a question that comes up a lot um, in my day job and and probably yours as well is trying to figure out what's you know where does privacy, uh, consumer privacy and uh, advertising efficacy? intersect right like what's that line and what's that balance so it's going to be an interesting one to watch i'm sure we'll be talking more about it here um but what's your take on this announcement so far uh
0: i'm not i'm not uh you know sort of overly enthusiastic about this because i don't think it's anything you know revolutionary at all i I, I think at the end of the day as you pointed out i think that the idea of cohorts you know versus individuals is like like what's unique about that nothing right like that's how the industry works nobody wants to target one person you know to sell one person something you know people are targeting groups of people with common behaviors to sell you know that group a whole bunch of whatever it is you know that they're going after so you know i I think the notion of of coming up with these audiences or these cohorts and kind of going after them in that way and kind of having you know sort of this argument that it's you know we're going after group versus individual I, I you know to me what like there's nothing really interesting or, or different about that right i think um everybody's trying to find their way around you know you know the the changes to these rules and and the and it's for the cookie free world um and i think um you know there's going to be a number of different approaches to this we've seen And we've talked about, you know, some of the companies in the location ecosystem are kind of going away from SDKs and into server side type of implementations to get at the data in different ways. I was just reading about um, another initiative called SWAN. I don't know if you've heard about this one uh, that's just out in the marketplace right now for public feedback and testing. So this is uh, it's uh, it's backed by uh, Pubmatic, OpenX and Zeta. And um, basically, it, it's a it's more of a consumer consent model, or, or uh, you know, sort of the idea of, of personal data vaulting, where you say, "Here's what I'm interested in." Advertisers that want to engage with people that. You know have expressed those interests can do so and you know sort of that's managed through this sort of network environment what they're calling swan um so i think that to me makes more sense this idea of sort of matching based on consent um as opposed to sort of you know sort of watching behind the scenes and building groups and audiences you know i think we're we're at that point now where people realize their data has value uh the advertisers you know have been sort of just taking it freely and doing with it as they please. Um, and, and those days are gone. And, and now we have to figure out new models and, and new ways to sort of not only get the data, but include the consumer, I think, in the, in the sort of value uh, ecosystem around that, maybe all the way to having them participate in the actual monetization of it. But at the very least, I think sort of giving them that opportunity to participate. So I, I like the notion of what this one thing is talking about um and 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 i think you know google's trying to do something with flock and you know apple's trying to do their own you know version with their own uh, privacy ecosystem and and i think we'll see right i think it's so early uh right now and i think uh it's going to be months before you know we kind of see what's happening here and i and I, I also think though the timing is is good because um you know people are still mostly home mostly shopping online mostly you know in interacting you know with brands online and so because you're not out physically out and about in the stores as we were before and it's mostly an e-commerce and online world at the moment testing these kinds of models in, in this current time frame and this sort of pandemic you know sort of um augmented framework makes sense right um in, in terms of getting feedback and so i know the swan initiative they have a 60-day public comment uh period going on right now um and you know obviously google's looking for feedback on on uh, flock um i think that's the acronym right flock yep yeah well, so we'll see, saying... right? i don't know i mean I, I i think they're we're gonna we'll probably see other uh initiatives come out too right from um, some of the others, I, I'd be interested to see kind of what the the large ad agency community thinks, right? We haven't really heard a lot from the likes of WPP and and you know those types of uh, of companies out there um, on kind of what they want or, or what they anticipate as as sort of uh, next steps, right? Um, and maybe some of them will come up with their own. I don't know, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's not beyond the media buying companies and the ad agencies, the media comms and star comms and these kinds of guys out there, you know, to develop products, right, or develop solutions. Um, so let's see what what comes from that segment of the market, too.
1: Yeah, that will for sure be interesting. I mean, they a lot of the time they have access to their clients' first-party data anyway, so they can, you know, use that to to create models, you know, for their own um you know, advertising there and, and trying to figure out what works best. I think they're in a good position to kind of know what's the reach going to be through different approaches. What's the scale going to look like? Um, but yeah, we would love to hear feedback if you fall into that category on your thoughts on this.
0: Alrighty. Um, okay. Let's go to our second story now. So we're going to go talk about beer. Yes, uh, you know, it's, it's spring is here, patio seasons around the corner, you know, sitting around having a beer is, uh, you know, is an activity that, uh, that uh, people are looking forward to, I am sure. And uh, there's a company out there that's developed an augmented reality platform called Beer Scans, one word. Uh, that layers on top of, in particular, the craft beers out there. So this isn't mainstream sort of Budweiser and Molson and and whatnot. This is, you know, sort of targeted at all the sort of the craft beer industry um, and kind of layering an augmented reality marker into the packaging and the labels uh, that are going on here just to create some fun and some engagement uh, as you're sitting there enjoying your favorite craft beverage. Um, so they say, imagine looking at a beer can and noticing that it's slowly getting darker all by itself, um, you know, uh, or, you know, some, you know, animation is coming out of it, uh, you know, that's sort of tied into the, the theme of the brand name or something along those lines. could be a video playing, could be anything really, because it's augmented reality. Uh, so this is created by um, uh, a guy named Dave Chaffee, uh, who's the founder of Beer Scans, and um they're, uh, it's an Australian startup, uh, and they're pitching the concept to all sorts of craft beer brands, you know, locally there in, in Australia and, uh, and around the world. So, um, I think it's kind of fun. I think it's, it's simple. Uh, I mean, there's nothing, you know, earth shattering here on the technology side, augmented reality has been around for a long time, embedding this into labels and packaging and markers has been around for a long time. I remember, you know, all the way back to, uh. One of the earliest members of the LVMH a UK company called Blipper uh, was doing mm-hmm. a lot in packaging with uh, especially consumer goods like um, you know uh, cereal boxes and, and Cadbury chocolate bars and things like that um, so I you know it makes sense and I think you know what I worry about for a company like this is you know is it like are you able to build a market strictly on on the beer industry for essentially what is a feature. You know here right it's not you know uh, there, there's some unique IP that I can see anyways just in, in how they describe it um, but they do plan it to, to tie it into POS materials um, at some point um, so you know maybe there's something there if they can kind of go a little bit deeper integrated into the industry um, and, and tie back some other metrics around it then you know there, there could be a play there so we'll see what are your thoughts
1: yeah, I, um, well, one, my first thought was it kind of sounds like, um, you know, an LSD trip without having to uh, take any drugs, which is great. You could just have your beer. So I'm sure there's lots of fun things that they can do there in terms of the actual experience that you get to have. Uh, I do like that it's focused on craft beer and not like the mainstream brand names. But I do also completely agree with you that in terms of this is a feature, this is not a solution or a product. And so, how do you? tap into those craft beer lovers, um, you know, and help maybe, maybe it's exposure. So maybe it's tying, uh, making suggestions based on that specific type of beer. Here's other beers you might like to try that are similar, you know, in taste flavor, um, all of those different things, uh, or, you know, maybe making it like where to find the beers. So finding like, you know, local, local, um, local places that, that have those that are available. Um, so I think there's like a lot of options there in terms of tapping into the industry a little further, but again, it says, so I, I feel like unless they do that uh, and kind of, you know, make those efforts and that more of like business development versus product development, they are just looking at more of a, uh, a solution. That's, that's just a feature that can be baked in anywhere. So we'll see. Um, but I, again, I like that people are being creative during this time and, and thinking about Other things that we can do with our phones even more.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there you go.
1: All right. So we're going to move from beer now to donuts, um, which probably would maybe go well together. but. Krispy Kreme, my personal favorite donut uh, shop for sure, is offering free donuts to anyone who gets a, well, free a free donut to anyone who gets uh, a vaccination. Um, so if you go to Krispy Kreme and you show a valid COVID-19 vaccination card um, at locations nationwide here in the States, you'll get a free original glazed donut. And this is gonna go throughout the year. This is valid at all 369 Krispy Kreme shops, this is across 41 states. So this is anytime, any day and every day for the rest of the year, according to their CEO. Um, and they're also encouraging their employees to get vaccinated. So they're giving them four hours off um, to go get their vaccine. And this is also something that some other companies have done like Best Buy, Target and Trader Joe's, You know, just encouraging their workers to get the shot. Um, so Krispy Kreme is the only, you know, corporation that we have heard of so far that's really offering consumers the incentive, you know, to get a special treat if they get vaccinated. Um, but you know, lots of companies I think are encouraging their employees to get vaccinated. And, you know, this is interesting to me. I think that there's like a fine line here, right? So I am all for, uh, those who, feel comfortable and can get vaccinated taking that step i think it's great you know obviously all of us are very eager and ready to get back to some sort of normalcy or socialization and um you know have just getting out in the public, but I want to make sure that we're not shaming people who maybe are unable to get the vaccine or, you know, have other valid concerns, um, you know, for doing so. So I love that we're encouraging people to be healthy and do the right thing. And I and I and it's nice to see, you know, corporations getting involved and in like actually putting Literally putting their money where your mouth is. (laughs) So sharing that, that love across and who doesn't love a good Krispy Kreme donut. So I think this is fun. I think this is, you know, in line with what's going on right now. Um, And, and uh, yeah, it makes me want donuts. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I love a good Krispy Kreme. Like original glaze is is the way to go always. Um, and um, yeah, I just wish they would extend this up to Canada. I mean, come on, like you know we want to get vaccines here too. And uh, you know, I will definitely go get a go get a free donut. Um, yeah, I mean I, I think this is a great incentive. I I think it's uh it's brilliant. I think it's 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 good corporate branding and, and marketing uh positioning out there. I as you said, I think there's a lot of uh retail brands um that have, you know, sort of stepped out and said, Look, you know, we, we're encouraging our workers to get vaccinated and we're giving them time off or we're giving them, you know, paid leave or whatever to go do that. And I think that that's good and that, that makes sense. But I think you know, on the consumer side, really getting the public to to do something here. I think, uh, you know, it's, you know, what does it cost for, for a donut? It can't cost them that much. Right. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I think it, it's, uh, you know, it, and it probably gets you in the store, right. And if you're there and you get your free donut, maybe you're going to buy a dozen too, well, you know what I mean? So, um, I, I think there, there is a potential upside, uh, to this, um, and uh i like it I, I i think it's uh it's just smart right to a you know sort of get behind a, a good initiative here which is getting people vaccinated and b you know it's a it's a great brand uh positioning move for them so i just you know they got to bring this up to canada um you know we don't have that many stores up here but we there's one right here like right near me i'll go Hello. Um, so, um
1: yeah, yeah I- Totally agree that this is likely driving sales for them. Like it's not going to be just, you know, they're, they're definitely making money off of this. You can't just get one donut from Krispy Kreme. I mean, you've got your kids in the car, you need to get a coffee with it or whatever. Yeah, it exactly. For sure.
0: Exactly. All right. Uh, our final story for this week is a, a little acquisition that we wanted to talk about. And that is Ground Truth. Uh, you know, a, a mainstay in our location industry here. Um, has made an acquisition of a company called Addy. It's spelled A-D-D-Y. Uh, they're uh, a online local advertising marketplace. Um, and um, I didn't see any specific numbers on on the value of the transaction. I don't know if you saw anything, Brianna, uh, but um, I think this is interesting because, you know, if, if you look at the sort of space that Ground Truth has played in over over the years, Right. Um, you know, and I put them in that sort of category of the big three, you know, of uh, location ad targeting platform companies out there. Right. So you got them and Verve and, you know, back, you know, uh, at a time, you know, ThinkNear near and, and, and so on. Right. So you sort of have, you know, those those sort of players that have been around for a long time. And I think one of the challenges for a company like Ground Truth is where anybody in that sort of ecosystem is. Their, their platforms, their data sets, um, you know, work really well for sort of the mid to large enterprise customers, but they don't play well for the small independent business. Um, it's, it's, you know, it, it's tough to manage. They don't have the, you know, the, the staff and the resources and sort of the, the expertise in-house to know how to buy and consume that type of media. And Addy, you know, sort of plays at that level right, uh, which is the small business sort of, you know, more more in, in line with, uh, you know, let's say a real SEO, Yext, you know, type of sort of uh, solution, right? Um, you know, and and so I think, you know, this acquisition for for Ground Truth, I think, sort of gives them, you know, uh, a chance to sort of widen out a little bit and say, look, you know, you know, w- yes, we can serve the big enterprise customers, but we can also serve the mom and pop small businesses now uh you know through the uh the Addy piece there um and so it just gives them that seamless sort of all you know all-encompassing you know platform um to, to do that and, and so I like it for that reason um that it just gives them you know a, a new customer base to go after you know obviously it comes with you know an existing platform and revenue and, and all of that um, I don't know again, the the value of the transaction or how many people are coming over with Addie or you know uh, whatnot. but uh, I, I think it makes sense. Any, any thoughts for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting just to see when a, you know, a small, not small, but a medium sized company, I would say, like Ground truth that has served larger advertisers. Um, is thinking about how do we kind of diversify and and maybe be able to to serve those more locally-based advertisers. I think that's interesting. It makes me wonder, like, what is the, um, you know, are they shifting their business model? Are they shifting their focus in the future? And is it just because... Um, is it because of any tech changes that are happening right now? You know, are those affecting any of these choices that they're making and that strategy moving forward, or is there, um, you know, are they truly just trying to kind of be able to to service the entire industry? I'm not sure, but I think I, I find it very interesting. And I think we'll have to like kind of just see what the next six months holds for ground truth to to, to kind of see the application of, of what this is really looking to do. Um, if they're trying to, Truly compete where Addy is, um, or if they're, you know, going to leverage maybe something that they have to enable some of the existing um, technology or or IP that that Ground Truth has in house. So, good to yeah,
0: and I think you raise a good point there. Like, you know, with these changes in in, in cookies and privacy and all of that you know, the top end is is, is getting uh, squeezed, right? Um, you, know, you know, in terms of those enterprise uh, customers and the buys and the volumes and so on. So I think looking elsewhere uh, to enable the small business community um, in a different way, I think makes sense, right? So I, I think there could be something there for sure. Um, so it'll be interesting to watch, right? And, and we've seen a lot of those other players I mentioned, um, you know, start to, you know, ramp up their services. Some of the European players have come into North America lately um, as well. So we'll see, right? Um, time will tell, but uh, an interesting acquisition for them. And, you know, GroundTruth's gone, gone through a lot of changes, right? Over the last couple of years, in terms of leadership changes and, you know, uh, platform uh, offerings and, and so on. So it, it's, uh, you know, it's just a natural evolution and we'll, we'll kind of, we'll watch and, and, uh, and see, so there you go that's it all right well thanks for listening and, and and watching everybody uh this has been episode number 511 of location weekly we thank you for your time uh we hope you have a great rest of your week and uh reach out to us if you have story ideas or feedback and uh we'll see you next week for 512 bye everyone Bye.